Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. I want to tell you something that we have done. Uh, In February, we have celebrated Black History Month. But today, we want to honor someone who was born in Ventura County. Carissa House Wesley. She was born in 1898. She was the first recorded African-American to be born in our county. She would go to college. She would get a degree in nursing, but not one hospital in Ventura County would hire her. And in the 1920s, they had a severe flu epidemic that went throughout California, and it lasted several years. She would go house to house, and she would begin to uh, treat the needs of people, saving many lives. But one of my favorite things about uh, Carissa House Wesley, in uh, 19. She helped start Olivet Baptist Church, and that church is still in existence today in Ventura, and her legacy lives on. And we as a church, City Church California, are going to sow into that church, Olivet Baptist Church, in her name, in her honor, $1,000, celebrating uh, a life that makes a difference. Is that not good? So today we are beginning uh, a new series, and it's Behind the Scenes, the church. And we want to take you behind the scenes, and you say, why? Because a lot of times things are very different the way they look outside. We want to take you inside, behind the scenes, to see what is the church. And today we're going to begin to talk about worship. And in this series, again, we're going to take you behind the scenes of the church because we want you to begin to see what we're about. Now, when we begin to say church, I want you to know this. We're not talking about a building. We're not talking about an organization. And most definitely, we're not just talking about a few uh, group, a few in the church called the pastors. We're talking about you and I. We're talking about all of us, all right? And we have an important role to play in behind the scenes of this church. And, and I want you to know this. Your role and my role, our role is determined by our relationship. For example, I can't believe it, but over 34 years ago, it was on a Saturday afternoon, November 29, 1986, before God and a few witnesses in Burke, Louisiana, my beautiful Becky came down, prettiest bride I've ever seen, and I committed my life to her. We did that to each other. Now, look, my role as her husband would not be a reality unless I became I came into a relationship with her. Then when my sons were born, I have a relationship with them. My role is their dad. Now, with you, my role is pastor. And so I want to begin to tell Thank you. I want you to think about our role to four different parts of our culture and world. Number one, what is our role with God? And that is to worship.
relationship. Number two, what is our role with the enemy or the devil? And we are to exercise Christ's complete victory over Satan. What is our role, and this is one of my favorite things, to the world, and that is our reach. And what is our role to one another, and that is to edify. So four words I want you to write down or at least keep them in your mind that take you and I behind the scene. Number one is worship. Number two is conquer. Number three is reach. And number four is edify. Did you get that? I think they're going to put something on the screen, and it's called four arrows. And when you begin to think about these four words, I want you to begin to think about four arrows. And the first arrow I want you to see right here. We go in our first and chief purpose as a church is to worship. We're in a relationship with God, and our role is to worship him. And that's why I'm very, very grateful for Pastor Steve, Sabrina. And if you have not been to Thursday night's prayer, this past Thursday night, they sang two worship songs that Sabrina, Isaiah, John had written um, uh, themselves. And it is amazing. So when we come to church, you go, well, the music's kind of loud. It's a little bit long. Let me just say this worship isn't singing with the worship team it is a matter of the heart and our first aim is to worship God are you with me then the next one it goes down and it's to conquer now we are not fighting or conquering to get victory we're conquering from a place of victory Jesus Christ has already 100% defeated the enemy but as a people as a believer as a church we want to begin to inflict that victory on his kingdom and that is our role so we see number one the first arrow goes up number two then it goes down now this is one of my favorite ones then the arrow goes out that we are to reach the world and I don't know if you know this when pastor Katie got up and she's talking about telling us about the auction one of the reasons that we should participate Becky's already you bought in two things you'll probably Oh, she's bid on two things. Well, outbid her. You know, make her pay more. And so, I mean, the reason why this is important, I don't know if you know this, our school is probably at least 50 to 60% from other places, and many of them have not accepted Jesus Christ. So a part of our reach is City Christian, reaching people. We exist that anyone can believe. And so we have an arrow that goes up, and that is worship. We have one that goes down, and that is conquer. But we also have another one that goes out, and that is to reach. But this is a great one. We have an arrow. Now, it's going outward. But I want you to get this. You see where it says edify? We really should have that arrow come in because we come to church, and that's why Roy is 100% right. You need to be in a group. I need to be in a group. Why? That we build one another up, and we edify one another. And when I was meditating on this, and I want you to really get this, that the church's role is to go up, and that is to worship, to go down, and that is to exercise the complete victory of Jesus Christ, to go out to reach, but then to come inward, and that is to edify. When I was meditating on this, a picture came to me 
from the book of Ezekiel where he saw a wheel within a wheel. And the wheel went up, then it went down, then it moved to the left, then it moved to the right. And it moved in four different directions in synchronization at the same time. Now, oftentimes, sometimes churches will only focus on one area while neglecting the other three areas and they become one-dimensional. And we've seen this during the pandemic where some churches, it's like, well, we just, all we do is worship. Then others say, well, no, we're going to conquer. We're going to be all about social justice and ridding the world of evil. Others say, well, we just need to reach. We need to reach our neighbors, which we need to, or the others. You've ever heard this, uh, this for and no more, the frozen chosen. We just want to edify. Can I say as a church, we're going to move up with worship. We're going to move down to conquer. We're going to move out to reach, and we're going to move in to edify, and we're going to be like a wheel within a wheel. We are going behind the scenes. Are you with me? And we want to go behind the scenes. And, and please get this. I want you to know this, that the church is not. We are the church. Say that with me. We are the church. Say that with me. I'll never forget Jake when he was little. Uh, they had a drama in church, and someone was playing the devil. And he wasn't a Christian. He didn't want to be a Christian. He just wanted to be a baseball player. And, and so when he saw, he thought that he was only two and a half to three. And this big six-foot, six-foot-four guy who's dressed up like the devil, Jake thought it was real. So he runs to me. He goes, Daddy, I scared. I scared, Daddy. And he jumped right in my lap. So that night when I was putting him in the bed, he said, Daddy, he said, is there a double? I go, yeah. He said, is there a hell? I go, mm-hmm. He said, Daddy, who goes there? I go, people who aren't Christian. I kid you not. He screams out. He goes, we as Christians, Dad. We as Christian. Can I say right now, the church is not a building. It is not an organization. It is us, and we have a very important role to play in this thing called church. And you say, what is that role? Number one, we're going to worship. Number two, we're going to conquer. Number three, we're going to reach. And number four, we're going to build each other up. We're going to edify. Can you say amen? And I want us to go to this word. And today where we're going to hang out is the word worship. The word worship, and I love this. The first role of our church is to worship, but please hear me. Worship is not just music. It is a matter of the heart, and our heart goes first to God. Worship begins with our relationship with God. Now, get this, as we enjoy and delight in him. Are you with me? Our worship begins with a heart affection to God as we enjoy him and worship him and adore him. Now, the Westminster Catechism says this. You and I were created. We could say the church was created that we would know God and enjoy him forever. We are called to worship. Can you say amen? Go with me to this scripture. Go to 1 Peter Chapter 2, and we really do love this verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, and uh, this is a great, great verse, and it says here, and, uh, it says, in coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones, say that with me, as 
are being built up as a spiritual house. So we're being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, I want to draw your attention to that phrase or those two words, a spiritual house. Did you get that? We just read that, a spiritual house. And a spiritual house pretty much means this, that we are not defined by a location or a building, that we are defined by a gathering. We are a community of believers in the church is wherever people gather together. Are you with me? Go in your Bibles right now. Turn with me to Matthew. I want to read this, uh, chapter 18, verse 20. And you've probably heard of this. It says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there in the, I will be, I am in the midst of them. So can I say, we are a spiritual house. Now, throughout the ages, not only are we a spiritual house, it tells us that we are priests. And throughout time, they've always been priests, no matter what the uh, spirituality or the religion is. And priests usually worship a God, we worship the one true God, or deities, and they bring sacrifice that influence people. I want to say something. When you and I come and we're gathered together and we're beginning to worship, and worship is not just singing along with the team, it's a matter of the heart we not only go up and we bring our worship to God, but we influence people with our lives. Worship is not just song. It is a matter of the heart where we bring something to God that influences people. Are you with me? We bring something to God that influences people. And go with me to Romans chapter 12, and I love this verse. And it's verses 1 and 2, and you know this when it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is our worship. Can you say amen? And so I want to do this. I want to take us behind the scenes, and we're going to look at three words in the Old Testament concerning our worship. Church behind the scenes. How can we do that? Number one, that arrow goes up. And the three words are tabernacle, tent, in temple. Did you get that? It is the tabernacle, the tent, and the temple. I want to say that one more time. The tabernacle of Moses, which was in the wilderness. Now, let me just stop right there. Some of us have been in a wilderness. You know what? I cannot believe two weeks from this Sunday, it will be one year that our state and our nation entered into a shutdown because of a global pandemic, and it made our minds and our hearts feel like we were in a wilderness. But can I tell you right now, no matter what wilderness you're going through, there is a tabernacle in the wilderness, and that was a mobile tabernacle, and, and it was the tabernacle of Moses. So they had three tribes to the north three tribes to the south, three tribes to the east, three tribes to the west, but right in the center was a tabernacle. Can I say right now, no matter what you're going through, you could live, you can move, you could have your being in God because we could worship him and where we go, he goes. It is a mobile tabernacle and there was a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. So it doesn't matter the darkness that you and I are going through. There is a tabernacle of the presence of God. Can you say Amen. 
And so they had the tabernacle of Moses. They had the tent of David in Jerusalem. The tabernacle was in the wilderness. The tent was in the city. Then we had the temple of Solomon in Jerusalem. So I want to say those three again. We had the tabernacle, the tent, and the temple. I want to say it again. You could say it with me. We had the tabernacle, the tent, and the temple. Now, get this. The temple, we'll come back to the tent in the moment. The temple was one of the most majestic buildings or temple that had ever been built at that time. In fact, it was so magnificent. Think of any building. I remember the first time we saw it as a family. I had seen it before the World Trade Center. And those two buildings represented the Western culture. And no one thought those two buildings could ever come down. You should have saw Jude, Johnny, Jake, Becky and I, when those boys saw the World Trade Center, they were just looking up because if it's magnificent, you almost couldn't talk. Now, the Temple of Solomon was somewhat similar. It wasn't that tall. That when the Queen of Sheba saw that temple and those who worshipped in that temple and served in that temple, it took her breath away and she said, not even half the story has been told. I want to stop right here. I believe California is waiting for us in other churches to fulfill our first role and that is to worship God because we're in a relationship with God and that it will take their breath away. Are you with me? Now, I want to get these two at the end. The tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon, they showed us how to worship. You should write that down. The tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon showed us how to worship. I'm going to do that one more time. The tabernacle and the temple show us how to worship. You go, how? Number one, we have to have sacrifice. That worship requires a sacrifice. Number two, we should bring our best. Our excellence. Are you with me? So it requires sacrifice. It requires our best. Can I say we should not give a sporting event more of our best or a team or a hobby or a career than we give our God? Are you with me? I I personally do not think we should give our careers, our portfolios, anything in our life our best. Our best belong. Well, I think we should. But we should not give God mediocre sacrifice and give everything else our best. So everyone say how to worship. Say it again. So the tabernacle and the temple show us how, number one, there should be sacrifice. Number two, it requires our best. But get this, number three, it requires our generosity. Now, if you're new here at City Church, California, I just said that like Pastor Frank Damasio. Shitty Church, California. I don't know why. I said I haven't even been listening to Pastor Frank. I love Pastor Frank. Okay, going back here. Everyone say tabernacle. Temple. I'm making you repeat so I could get myself back on track. So, okay, get this. It requires, get this, not only sacrifice, not only excellent, but our generosity. And if you're new here to City Church California, we're not asking you to participate in tithes and offering. But when dear Pastor Becky began to lead us, that is a part of worship. Worship is not just music. It reflects our time, our energy, our relationships, our words. So please get this. We're going to move into the tent, but you've got to get this. The tabernacle and the temple show us how to worship. But you got to know something. That one in the middle, 
shows us why we worship. It begins to reveal the heart of worship. We have a tabernacle, we have a tent, and we have a temple. But the two at the end, the great structure showed us how. But you know what David did? He said, come on, I'm going to take you behind the scenes, and I'm going to show you what the heart of worship looks like. And you must know, know this. When you uh, look up the Hebrew word for tabernacle or temple, it is a great huge structure. In fact, these two structures, the tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple in the city, they had blueprints. They had an outer court. They had an inner court. They had a holy of holies. They had certain pieces of furniture, and it was ritual, and it was designed, and it was to show us how to worship. But if you look up the word tent in the Hebrew, it means small and simple, small and simple, and could only house one piece of furniture, and that was the Ark of the Covenant. And so the tent of David was in Jerusalem for 40 years. They had the tabernacle, which was on the mountain, and that's where they should have done the sacrifice. David brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, puts it in a tent, and it's there for 40 years until the temple is finished. Temple and tabernacle tabernacle or great structures that have designs and blueprints, but the tent is for those who have a heart of worship. Okay, I want to begin to give you a little bit of history on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, and let me just say this, if you go into the tabernacle or the temple, they had the OC, not Orange County, the outer court. And in the outer court, you had the altar, the brazen altar, the brass altar, and you had a brazen laver. Then you go into the inner court, and you had a lampstand, you had showbread, and you had incense. Then you would go into the Holy of Holies, and the Ark of the Covenant was there. It's that piece of furniture where, get these words, the felt personal experience, presence of God camp would come. When Steve and Jessica and the team today began to sing holy, I'm telling you, that presence came on, and I felt my heart being transformed from the inside out, my mind, my heart, and my spirit. So I want to begin to talk to you about the Ark of the Covenant, okay? When Samuel was alive, they went to war against the Philistines, an enemy army and nation. And the Jewish people, Israel, would take the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the manifested felt presence of God. The Philistines would capture the Ark of the Covenant, and they would put it into the temple of their God called Dagon. Dagon was half man, half fish. Dagon was half man, half fish. He was Ariel, the little mermaid's granddad. Are you with me? He was half man, half fish. And they put the Ark of the Covenant right by Dagon, who was half man, half fish. And in the morning, half man, half fish was on the floor worshiping. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant represented the God-man. And whenever fish man meets the God-man, he's going to have to bow. Even Dagon is showing us worship isn't about elaborate temples and tabernacles. It's about a heart of worship. And when you have a devil bowing to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the church can bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Well, they have the Ark of the Covenant. It's not going well with them. They said, we need to get this back to the land of Israel. So they got a female ox who had calves, and they put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. And normally, a female ox that has babies will not leave those babies. But supernaturally, it was a miracle. We bring that back to Israel. And then so David said, I want to bring the Ark into the city. So they put it on a cart. And Uzzah reached out to touch the Ark and his life was taken. So David said, no, let it go and get this. They brought the Ark of the Covenant into the house of a man called Obed-Edom. And Obed-Edom means servant of Edom. He's from from the land of Philistines or the Philistines. He was an enemy of God. But in his house, God began to manifest. He began to worship God. And he had blessings that were uncountable, unbelievable, unfathomable. And David heard about it. And he said, wait a minute, please get this, get this, get this. This is a news alert. In that moment, David saw behind the scenes that worship would not require ritual in sacrifice of the tabernacle or something elaborate like the temple, but that worship can happen in a simple small tent and it would take us back to a heart of worship. Okay. Now, let me show you how they brought the Ark of the Covenant in. David and a team of people, they would go six steps. On the seventh step, they would make a sacrifice. They'd go another six steps. On the seventh step, they'd make another sacrifice. They'd go six steps, and on the seventh step, they would make a sacrifice. Please get this. Seven is the number of perfection. By the time they got into Jerusalem, he was showing us that there would be a day, a perfect land, would be a perfect sacrifice that would allow us to truly worship God. He began to sing and dance in such an undignified manner. His wife, Micaiah, said, hey, you have made yourself uh, embarrassing today before the people who said, I will be even more you know, undignified, and he began to worship, and he put the Ark of the Covenant in a small, simple tent, and for 40 years, people began to worship. Now, get this. David didn't just see into Obed-Edom. I want us to see something today. I believe today God could open our eyes, almost like Venetian blinds. Do you have blinds in your house? If they're shut, you can't see one thing, but that doesn't mean there's not a world out there that's real. Today, I'm believing in the next five minutes, God's going to open our eyes to see behind the scene, not only into Obed-Edom's house, but into heaven where there is an order of worship that will change our world, conquer the devil, and bring uh, life to us. Can you say amen? amen? Now, you must understand this. David had four worship leaders. Under those four worship leaders, he had 24 choirs. In each choir, he had 12 people. That was 288 people in the choir. Are you with me? He said, and you could read it in the Old Testament, he had an official recorder because they had worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I want to read some of the psalms that were officially recorded during this time. Can I say, if you haven't been to prayer on Thursday night, come. You say, what is it? We are tenting the presence of God. Worship is not just a tabernacle. It's not just a temple. We are tenting the very presence of the living God. Can you say amen? Now, I want to go to these scriptures. Go with me to Chronicles 29, 16. 
And this is going to show you that the tabernacle and the temple were created to show us how to worship. Here we go. Oh, Lord, our God, David's writing this, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house. So the house is for God, for your holy name is from your hand and is all you own. Go with me now to Psalms 22.3. Psalms 22.3. And I love this. It says, but you are holy. Goodness gracious. Today, I felt that you're holy and you're enthroned in the praises of Israel. Everyone say how to worship. Say a heart of worship. Now, I want you to go to Amos. I want you to go to Amos. Now, get this. In the prophets and in the New Testament, you will never hear them say, we're going to rebuild the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon. You will never hear that mentioned. You will hear how they will rebuild the small, simple tent of David. Listen to Amos. This is chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, and he's writing this to northern Israel, which is into idolatry. They had stopped worship. In that day, I will raise up the fallen booth of David, or that fallen, simple, small tent of David, and its wall, and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Why? That they may possess the remnant of Edom. Did you get it? Edom. The enemy will come in, and all the nations who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. Can I say God never wanted just Israel. He wanted the whole world to come and tent his presence. Go with me now to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, and it says this in verses 16 and 17. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild. Not the tabernacle, not the temple, but David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the remnant of men may seek the Lord. Are you with me? When we worship, it causes men and women to begin to seek God. They haven't thought about God, but they begin to seek God. So in the Old Testament, we have the tabernacle, we have the tent, but we have the temple. You may be saying, well, why temple? Because God is not looking for rituals and complications. He's looking for a heart that will worship him. Go with me to Psalm 76, and this is one of the Psalms. Think of it. He had four worship leaders, and they named these four worship leaders in Chronicles. They had 24 uh, choirs. That means every hour there was a new choir, seven days a week, and this is one of the songs. And they had someone record this, and I love this. It says in Psalms 27, verses 5 and 6, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, his tent, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, get this, I will offer sacrifice, not a bull, not of goats, not a lamb, but of joy. Can I say when you're going through hell and I'm going through hell and we come on a Thursday or a Sunday or we're online and we begin to sacrifice with music from our heart in joy, it becomes a sacrifice and joy is a choice. Are you with me? Happiness is usually what happens to you if it's good, but joy is a choice. And when I choose joy, it is a sacrifice to our God. Come on. Can you say amen? And I love this. It says this, therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. Where? In his tabernacle, I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Are you in prison right now? 
Are you locked up right now? Will you begin to turn your prison into praise? And watch what God will do. You will not tabernacle. You will not temple. You will begin to tent the very presence of the living God. Can you say amen? Go to this one. Very, very good. Psalm 76, verse 2. Psalm 76, verse 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. Now, please get this. In the tabernacle, in the temple, they had the outer court, the inner court. In the inner court, they had an altar of incense. But now David's saying, because it's in this tent, he's saying, hey, let my prayer be set before you as incense. Now, get this next one. The lifting of my hands is an evening sacrifice. When my boys were teenagers, and they had been in church their whole life, I mean, seconds after they were born pretty much we're bringing them to church they kind of do this i go jude john jake i don't feel like it i said hey you sacrifice for wrestling you sacrifice for baseball and let your sacrifice no one's asking us to offer our dog on an altar i said i did want to offer my neighbor's cat on the altar no come on Joke, that's so bad. I love cats, not really. Okay, don't get this. He says, may the lifting of my hands be like an evening sacrifice. Maybe you've never lifted your hands. Maybe you say, why are they lifting your hands? It is a sacrifice to our God. Dave, they pinned this. One of those, that recorder pinned this, not in the tabernacle, not in the temple, but in a tent, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, people were coming, and they were lifting their hands, and it was an evening sacrifice to our God. Can you say yes? Okay, go to this one, Psalms, and I love this, Psalms 40, verses 1 and 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. I want to stop right now. The church, is first. our first role is to worship. Why? Because we're in a relationship with God. I'm going to say that again. Our first role is to worship. Why? Because we're in a relationship with God. No matter if you're in a pit or a prison, if you worship, you'll see God will begin to lift you up. They pinned this. This is, they wrote this during the tenth time. So get this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Now get this next one. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear. Let's say it this way. Many will see it and worship and will trust in the Lord. Can I ask you a question? Are you tenting the presence of God or are you going to a tabernacle? You see, when they would go to the tabernacle or the temple, it was usually once a month, sometimes three times a year, and they would go in there and bring a sacrifice. But can I say right now, we could tent the presence of God, which is 24-7. And I'd ask, how are you and I going to prepare our worship during the week? Because worship is not just singing with the team that's up here. Worship is a matter of the heart. It involves our words, our relationship, our resources, our time, our energy. Yes, sometimes choosing joy and lifting our hands. I want to show you something. If you begin to think, those three things, if they really do. The tabernacle, the tent in the temple they take us behind the scene but i want you to see something jesus christ when he was baptized john the baptist said these words get me the lamb of god 
who takes away the sin of the world. You could not go into Moses' tabernacle without a sacrifice of a perfect lamb. You could not. They would go and they would offer the sacrifice on the altar. They would go through the inner court where there's incense and showbread and a lamp. Eventually, to get into the presence of Almighty God, can I say Jesus Christ became the perfect lamb for the tabernacle of Moses. Many people want to rebuild uh, Solomon's temple. I was there at the Wailing Wall. I had a God experience in Jerusalem. It was amazing. But I want to tell you something. You know what Jesus Christ said about that temple you see this temple it was the rebuilt temple of Solomon you see this building I will destroy it and in three days I will raise it up again they said how can you build it up in three days it took them 40 years to build it he was talking about his body why did Jesus Christ become the ultimate temple that you and I could tent the presence of God wherever we would be on the job in our homes in a pandemic in darkness and light in a good day in a bad day we could still choose joy and lift up our hands come on I'm going to invite the band to come up. I want you to know this. You see, your role with God is determined by your relationship. I could not be Becky's husband unless I committed my life to her. You see, worship doesn't begin with music. Worship begins with a relationship. And I would say when we begin to see like David did, come on, can you come behind the scenes? Isn't it amazing that John saw the same vision? 24 elders around the throne, all the time worshiping God. They said they had 144,000. Well, we know it's not just 144. That's just a number showing there's going to be 12. What is 12? It's the number of government in the kingdom of God. I believe our church will be known for worship. I believe there will be a day people will drive 50 miles, possibly 70 miles, possibly 100 miles to come and hear our worship. I believe our church online is going to see a group of people that are worshiping. It is not music. It is a lifestyle. It is not just a CD or an MP3. It is a lifestyle. It's the way we smile. It's the way we live. It's the way we give. It's the way we interact with one another. Come on. It is our worship. So much so, David says, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I don't know where you're at today. But can I say, you say, well, I don't feel God, and I feel he's distant from me. Do you realize Jesus became the tabernacle in the temple that you and I, so simple and small, can still house his presence? And you know what Paul said, we're earthen vessels. All we are is a little tent, but we carry the glory of God. Now, this is where we end. You guys could start playing. And maybe we'll sing that song, Jessica Holy. And Lauren, maybe you could come and get this table out of the way because I'm finished with it. I never really even used it in one sense, but hear me. One of my favorite things that I did with my sons, and they do it. Jude and Jake do it. One day when John has children, I know he'll do it too. The boys would say, Daddy, build us a tent build us a tent so I would go and get some blankets and I turn our living room into one massive tent and we would go in and I'd get a flashlight and I would begin to read the lion the witch and the wardrobe two weeks ago Jake FaceTimed me and I could barely see his face I go where in the world 
are you? This is the FaceTime. He goes, Dad, I built a tent like you did. And Rio's in there. Go, Rio. He goes, I'm Iron Man. I go, I'm Spider-Man. And then he goes, no, I'm Spider-Man. And there's Jake in that homemade, simple tent with his son. Greater than a tabernacle. More powerful than a temple is a tent that men and women, young people, the age together, we can house the presence of God 24-7. And out of our lives, maybe the world will never hear what comes that we record. Can I say, I want to encourage you this week, get out your journal, get out an iPhone, an iPad, and go and begin to worship God. And then when the music fades, take out that pen and begin to record something with you and your God and begin to see your life. First, the direction like Ezekiel's will, you're going to move up. I don't care how far down you've been in the last year, worship compels you to go up. Revelation 4 says this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a voice saying, come up here. Tabernacle and temple worship brings us down, but tent worship always brings us up. It will lift you up, and it will set your feet on a rock called Jesus Christ. Come on. Are you with me on that? Will you stand up? Let me just say, I cannot be your husband unless I committed my life to her. And she did the same to me. I became a husband through a relationship. You really, I really, we really cannot worship unless we commit to Jesus Christ. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. You believe in your heart. You confess that he's Lord. You believe in your mind and heart that he died, and on the third day he rose again, and you believe that, and you say that, you will be saved. You enter into a relationship with God. And the first thing that happens when we enter a relationship with God is we worship. We went, you should see my Quincy. Yesterday was his birthday. He's one. And when he see me, I go, Quincy, Quince. He starts smiling. We put music on, he grabs a table, he does this. How do children know how to move to the sound? When you become a child of God, you will begin to worship. Are you with me? It's the first sign. If you would say today, I believe in God, but I want to commit my entire life to him. I want to believe in my heart. I want to confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's where worship begins. I want you to raise your hand right now, wherever you're at. Raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right, look at this. Raising hand. Now, some of you have probably already done that, but I'm really talking about, you've not, I mean, you've kind of done it, but it's, it, it is so powerful. That day, I'll never forget, I had a friend. He had several young ladies who wanted to marry him. He goes, what if there's someone better? I said, so-and-so. I don't want to say his name in case he watches this. I said, marriage begins with the commitment that I choose you for the rest of my life. Same way with Jesus. Some people want a dating. He wants to marry you. And that's where, so if you would say, today, I want to commit my entire life to him. Raise your hand right now. I want to commit my life. And say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart, come into my mind. I believe that you are the Lord of my life, that you died for my sin, and you were raised for my salvation. And I believe that. Now I want you to do this. Will you, don't mind, will everyone here, 
and I can't make it, will you lift your hands? Almighty God, we come in this week, we're gonna worship you. The force, the direction, the role, we're gonna worship God. That God is gonna be bigger than any problem. God is gonna be bigger than any challenge. God will be bigger than even the world in the pandemic that we have witnessed and experienced this last year. God, we come and we lived in the tent, that small and simple place of worshiping you, O oh Lord. And may the lifting of our hands be like the evening sacrifice. Oh God, may our praise be like an incense, O oh Lord. God, we worship you, O oh Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and we run into it, O oh Lord. You are holy and you are majestic and you are powerful, O oh God. And you are worthy of our worship, O oh Lord. Our worship that comes from our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength, O oh Lord. We worship you this day as men and women. And we say, our God, there is no God like our God. Our God is the most high God. Our God is the faithful God. Our God is a loving God. In Jesus' name, let's worship. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.